Blog Talk Radio. Rebecca Maida here, Zelina, the Wicked Witch of the West, and you are listening to Once Upon a Fan podcast. Enjoy, because it's wicked. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. I'm your host, I don't know what I was – I thought I was going to have a name, like, much faster, and I couldn't come up with one. So I'm I'm your host. Oh, no, I'm I'm a dingle hopper. There we go. Oh, God, that sounds – Ashley's making me stop talking. It was better than Grendel's Grundle. Um, I am Snow's Artisanal <laughs> Brew. <laughs> um, all right, yes, welcome to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. Um, let's see. We're going to start off our weekly news bulletin. We don't really have a lot in the way of news, guys, as I'm sure you are all familiar with at this point when it gets to this time of the year and this part of the season. We're pretty much done with news. So there's not a whole lot going on. Um, so a couple things over the weekend was WonderCon, and I know that I saw a couple of you answers over at Chad Michael Collins' booth saying hello to him. Um, so, and it was nice seeing some of you as well there at WonderCon. I did have a couple of people come up and say hello. And also on Sunday, as we had let everybody know, um, was Sean McGuire's uh, charity event, Comedy Not Conflict, at the Viper Room here in Los Angeles. And uh, a lot of people from once upon a time were in attendance. Rebecca Mader was there. Uh, Victoria Smurfit, Patrick Feisler, Fischler, sorry, I don't know how to say his name, never got clarification from a publicist, and Marin Dungy, her name is Marin Dungy, I asked her specifically, how do you say your name? So, yeah, we know all of that. <laughs> um, let's see who else, John Cho was there, Michael Raymond James was there, of course. Um, a couple people that were on the announced guest list that were not able to attend, such as Robert Carlyle, Chris Weiss, um, Danny Zucker, those kind of people. Um, we're not able to attend, unfortunately, but there was still a great turnout. I also saw Eddie K. Thomas, who is from American Pie. Um, I also saw, oh, God, I, sh- I should know his name. It's the guy who plays the other guy on Drew Carey, um, who is not Ryan Stiles. Um, the Drew Carey Show. This is what Google is for. All right, so it's that guy. His name is, I'm going to say this because I have to, I can't. Uh, Diedrich Bader. There we go. So he was there as well. Um, yeah, it was a really good time. It was a really great event. There were other comedians who were there. Uh, I saw Jason George from Grey's Anatomy. He showed up in support of Sean. Um, some of the performances was there was a comedian in Ari, his last name is escaping me, and I'm going to go to hell for it for not knowing any of the stuff. But the guys who showed up to do the comedy were on the and many more will appear list, part of the list. So the names weren't clear, and we didn't get to talk to everybody on the press line. So, um, and in the room, it was a little hard to um, keep track of everybody's name. Well, because um, there was a lot of performers, I didn't have anything to write anything down with. I wanted to save battery on my phone. I had been drinking. <clears throat> so, 
yeah. Um, so my apologies to everybody there. But it was a really great show. I hope it raised a lot of money. Um, I also saw some monsters who were there and had some great conversations. So thank you very much for taking the time out to speak with me. I also saw Aaron Stegman Marrero, who is the director and creator of the Once Upon a Time Rock Opera and is also a musical director, director, person related to, associated with Game of Thrones and Musical. Um, Mallory McDonald was there as well. Some of you may know she is associate. She is an associate of the Rock Opera. Um, so, yeah, it was a really great turnout. Um, and I hope that it raised a lot of money because I saw a news story coming out of a chemical attack in Syria today. Um, absolutely horrific. So definitely something that I'm glad they were able to get involved in. Ashley, do you have any questions for me? Um, I'm not sure. Um, you did, you said there was a press line. Um, you did videos, right? Where can folks find those videos? Oh. Yes, thank you for that. So you can go to our YouTube page, um, which is good question. Uh, YouTube.com. <laughs> Either once upon a fan or once upon a fans. Um, well, you YouTube tweeted them, right? Flat, yeah, they're t- they were tweeted. Uh, once upon a <laughs> YouTube.com. Once upon a fan is our page. Um, it's under the Comedy Not Conflict Charity Event playlist that you can see there. Um, so feel, feel free, if you haven't already seen those, to go ahead and take a look. I'm sure you'll find them very interesting. Um, hola to everybody in the chat room. As well, it is open. I'll issue our disclaimer that we haven't said in a while that if you are trying to get in the chat room, you might need to refresh the page a couple of times before it will load for you. But eventually we'll get there. Um, so yeah, that's really all major events going on from this weekend. Um, I didn't hear or see any photos of Jennifer Goodwin or Josh Dallas at the Los Angeles Library event on the 1st, so not sure what happened with that. I didn't see any news reports, so that's what to report there. Ashley's got our normal con um, update, and then we'll have one more news bulletin before... <laughs> we'll have one more news bulletin before we get into our episode review. Ashley, take it away. I shall indeed. Um, first, a note. Um, I had mentioned last week um, in my gravelly uh, Jessica Rabbit voice that it was a possibility that Jennifer Morrison would have to cancel some con appearances um, because of her involvement in uh, a play. Unfortunately, she's had to cancel all of her upcoming con appearances, and we've noted that in each of the entries that she was previously on on our convention page. Um, I mean, that's, you know, it happens with uh, conventions quite often. All of them do feature some disclaimer or another that states, like, you know, guest uh, appearances are subject to filming and other commitments, so it's understandable, and you know, more power to her for doing, you know, live theater. So, yay for that. But, unfortunately, yeah, she had to cancel um, everything she had upcoming. Um, speaking of upcoming, April kind of kicks off officially the con season. Uh, we've got a lot of entries here. Things are really starting to cook. Um, coming up on April 14th through the 16th in Indianapolis, 
There's Indiana Comic Con, which features Sean McGuire and Millie Bobby Brown, uh, who played young Alice in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown will also be at C2E2, uh, April 21st through the 23rd. Um, I'm going to be there, you know, hanging around, doing the Chicago thing. So if you're attending, you know, come say hi. I have a Wicked cosplay. Wicked isn't a hint, but I have a cosplay planned, and I'm not revealing it until today because I don't want anybody to steal my idea, but I'm super excited. So, yeah. Um, (laughs) Moving on. What's up? I know what it is. You will say nothing until it is time. Uh, I will say nothing. (laughs) That... (laughs) <laughs> that same weekend in Barcelona, there is the Storytelling Con. Um, so Spanish Wonsters, get excited. This is the first uh, OUAT event in Spain. Um, Lana Perea, Sean McGuire, Rebecca Mater, Colin O'Donoghue, uh, Megan Ori. Ruby is going to be there. I'm super jealous because she is like, yeah, she is the one uh, cast member I don't think I've ever met. Like, I've met everybody except for her. So, Spanish Wonsters, I'm jealous. Um, Beverly Elliott will also be there, and uh, Faustino Debata, who plays Sleepy, they will all be there. Um, that also that same weekend uh, in Germany, in uh, Bonn, I believe that's how you say it. Uh, Emily DeRaven and Keegan Connor Tracy will be at MagicCon. Later on in the month is Calgary Expo in Calgary, uh, Alberta, Canada, uh, where Millie Bobby Brown, again, of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and Raphael Sabarge uh, will be attending. And then rounding out the month is Starbuck UK 3 in Blackpool. Um, this is the third, obviously, entry of this Khan and Emily DeRaven, Lana Priya, Rebecca Mater, Jared Gilmore, Robert Carlyle, very rare Khan appearance, Sean McGuire, Karen David, and Odette Fear, who plays Jafar, who we just saw in this past episode, are all confirmed for this event. So yeah, there's lots of uh, lots of conventions out there for oncers all over the, the world, which is kind of neat how it's worldwide. So that's what we have coming up in April. Again, this is not a definitive list. So if you know of any conventions uh, that are featuring Once Upon a Time actors, um, feel free to shoot us a tweet, drop us a line, and we can add it onto the schedule. Um, And you can find all this information on our website at www.onceuponafans.com slash conventions. Back to you, Zach. Thank you very much for that con update, Ashley. Um, also, I want to let everybody know that want to let everybody know that today is also the day that Albion, the Enchanted Stallion, is available on nearly every on-demand platform. It stars Jennifer Morrison, Deborah Messing, John Cleese, Stephen Dorff. There's a name from the past, and many more. Go watch today. And watch Zootopia and Thor while you're at it. Show Ginny and Josh some love. Why not? You can also go watch Plane Spotting 2 in certain places for Robert Carlyle. And you can watch that one movie where Colin played the priest. Um, the last Right you, or The Right? Yeah, The Right. Yeah, Something was right. it The Right or Last? I can't, yeah, I can't remember. Um, and then if you're a horror person, you don't mind really disturbing movies. Emily DeRobin is in the remake of The Hills Have Eyes from, like, 10 years ago. So, 
Is she really? I didn't know that. Yeah, she is the teenage daughter. She's the blonde daughter. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Not suitable yeah. for children, but... um. Yeah, not suitable for children at all. Or people who have nightmares or are easily creeped out. Um, I have a really scary desert story I could tell you, but I don't want to... I'll oh, give you that, please, because I definitely saw that movie, and I was—I ended up hiding under somebody's couch. Just, just goggle, goggle, like, screw that movie. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, A Wondrous Place, A Thrilling Chase, for you and me. Um, This week's episode was, of course, called A Wondrous Place. Um, it was written by Jane Eskinson and Jerome Schwartz. Directed by Steve Perlman, who, in addition to his directing duties, is also one of the producers of the show. At least he was. Um, altogether, Ash, what do you think of the episode? Um, I enjoyed it. I I found it a bit of a step up from last week. Just something with last week just didn't really jive with me. So it was. It, this episode was kind of fun. It was. It, I felt like it was more of a breather episode in a lot of ways. We didn't get very much storybook doom and gloom. It was kind of tying up some loose ends with Agrabah, which you know that was kind of nice because it was we had introduced a lot of Agrabah in the uh, former half of the season and then hadn't revisited it till then. Wonderful showcase of Karen David as Jasmine. Like she really. They cast well when they cast Jasmine. I mean, the, the casting wizards are always so good, but she really was the embodiment of Jasmine, particularly in this episode. So I, I really enjoyed that. And um, it was nice to see a lot of things kind of get out, you know, aired out, out in the open. And we've got a, some intriguing uh, last moments there in the episode as well. So on the whole, I did um, enjoy it. I really did. It was even when it was a little more serious, it was still kind of fun. And I think that has to do with the fact that Jane wrote it, where there's always, she writes great character moments, but there's also just like a tinge of levity in everything that she writes. So while we were getting serious scenes on the Nautilus, it was still, it wasn't heavy per se. Do you know what I mean? What did you think? Yeah. Um, I de- well, I enjoyed, there are a lot of things about this episode that I enjoyed, some more than others. Um, I really think that Drunk Snow White, I tweeted this, is something that you didn't know you wanted until you got it. Um. I think a lot of people agree would agree with that, too. I saw a lot of people on the internet kind of had similar thoughts after I had tweeted that. Um, so oh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love that aspect of the story. I thought that it was really funny. And like you said, you know, to your point as well, um, Jane does tend to write episodes that have a lot of levity to it. Um, you know, and so it was, an, it was a great contrast to – the the heaviness, as you said, of what was going on with the Nautilus and back in you know the enchanted forest, and also kind of the the 
I wouldn't say it was heavy, but it definitely wasn't light. Kind of stuff going on in the flashback as well. Um, there was obviously the the references to Aladdin, which we will get into, um, you know, and things mm-hmm. of that nature. But um, there was still, you know, some that drama was related kind of to the the Santa Forest drama, if you will. So um, I I will say that you and you are correct that they were um, tying up a lot of loose ends. Uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, having said all of that, I found this episode a little hard to keep track of at times. I'm really glad that they were throwing up the um, kind of timeline cards to let us know where we were um, and when, because I kind of would have been maybe a little bit lost without that. I mean, I was like, okay, this is happening. Okay, like, at a certain point when I was writing my notes for the review of the episode and things to discuss, it all kind of ran together because I was first talking about Jasmine and Aladdin in the Enchanted Forest, and then I was talking about what was happening in the Nautilus, and then they all joined together at, at one point, and so I had to, like, converge my notes into one, like, thread or something. It was just really complicated, but uh, maybe that's more a matter of organization and not storytelling. Who knows? But... um. I, as far as I don't know if it's like a necessarily like a, a for me at least if it was a step up from last week because last week definitely didn't jive with me either. Um, but I also really enjoy seeing Regina and 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 Robin Hood. And this episode had a lot of had was like which makes sense after it was Regina Light, which makes sense after you know she was so front and center last week. Um, so yeah. Let me open my notes. See what's going on. Um, maybe. <laughs> um, let's see. While I'm pulling these up here, um, I will say there's one thing really quick. Like, let's get into the drunk snow stuff because that to me was the most fun, and the stuff that I really, really oh, yeah. want to talk about. Um, I love the fact that uh, uh, when, like, it's funny because I watched this scene a couple of times because I wanted to see both of their faces. Like, I wanted to get a feel for not only what the characters were reacting to, but I can kind of tell what was happening, like, internally with the actors, like, what they might have been thinking. When Emma first gets to the bar and Snow and Regina are there and Snow hands her the beer. When Snow is saying, um, have you tried these drinks? I think they're artisanal. When she says artisanal, if you watch Lana's face, she's watching Ginny do this. And when she moves, like when Ginny does her little bounce of artisanal comes up, that's when Lana looks at Jen and her eyes kind of go a little bit wider. Um, and it's, it's very, very subtle. And I, you don't really notice it unless you watch it a couple of, like, you have to actually watch it just, like, a couple of times maybe. But it's because it's a very subtle thing. But when her eyes open wide like that, that's actually, I tweeted a picture of the two of them in that moment right after Lana's eyes went a little bit wider because I was, like, between her face and the look on Jenny's face, I was like, this is trouble. Like, those faces, they <laughs> trouble. I can only imagine what happened immediately, like, in the, like, what happened after that, before or even after they yelled cut. Um, 
I would imagine that that was probably a really, really fun day on set. And oh, that's gonna be blooper yeah. reel, blooper reel. But I would, I would honestly love to talk with Lana for a couple minutes and just be like, so that day you guys filmed that scene had to have been a blast. Please tell me about it, um, Lana. If you're ever listening to this, we'd love to hear that story. Feel free to come on the podcast live and tell us about it if you want. Um, so yeah, I love that. I thought it was so cute. Um, and then the scene that happened after that, where I was like, hey, they're leaving without paying. And Regina said, do you ever not tattle? Um, I love the fact that, that the, the thing that used to be the reason why she hated Snow White has now turned, has, has turned into a joke. Like, Oh, I know. That was my favorite line of the entire night was, it was, I feel like that line was here for the fans. Like, it was just perfect. Well, you have to be, you have to be a longtime fan, um, like, from the beginning, really. Like, you have to really know your Once Upon a Time lore in order to get the significance of that line fully. And I don't think that they would have <laughs> thrown that in there if not for that reason. Because the casual viewer, you know, I mean, even if you've done, like, a Netflix kind of thing where you watched it on Netflix and you're familiar with the show in that way, that's still a very different perspective from being a oncer. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Oh, totally. So, yeah, I felt like when I heard that, I was like, well, that was for us. Like, that was just mm-hmm. for us. Like, just for us long-term, hardcore oncers. So, yeah, I loved it. Um, I love I love the line when she I love the line when she was when the Viking guys were like, "Do you have a problem with us?" She's like, "I do." Yes, I do. Jenny delivered it. I do. Yeah, and then like when she threw the knives, and they like connected, and all of a sudden she's like, "Wager, loser pays both tabs." I was like. Well, the men are going to lose, so I can tell you that right now because it's Snow White, and hello, look what she just did, and then they lost. Um, One quick thing, though, about this scene, it's a small thing, Um, but, and I hate to nitpick like this, I hate it. So I'm not going to nitpick. Instead, I shall only express my surprise that the men in the bar were regular Vikings and not the ruffians from Tangled. I've never Um, seen Tangled, so I have no comment on that. You've never seen Tangled? I've never seen Tangled, and I've never seen Princess and the Frog. The only reason I watched Brave is because it was going to be on this show, so I had to know about the boo Oh my God! I'm seriously like, I, lightning has just struck my brain. Like, I can't believe that. Tangled is hilarious. Like, there's not even like a real hardcore romance aspect to it. It's more like a romantic. It's like a romantic comedy, pretty much. But it's like, well, you so know, good. Like, I don't really care for romantic comedies. 
you would love this movie. Like, you would love Pascal, the chameleon. Oh, my. And Maximus the horse. Like, oh, my God. You really need to see it. Like, it's it's just a fantastic movie. Like, Is it on the Netflix? Just, I don't think it's on the Netflix. It's it's I don't know if they ever put that one on Netflix because it's newer and they tend not to put the newer like anything from like the nineties Disney Renaissance forward, they don't really put those on Netflix. Like the princess movies and the popular ones. Like they put like Home on the Range and Treasure Planet and Atlantis and things like that on, which came after the Renaissance, but those ones weren't really very big hits at the box office, so I don't think they cared. Uh, I saw Treasure Planet in the theater three times, so hold bite your tongue. Well, I'm sure you did, but nobody, not a lot of other people thought. So. <laughs> Treasure Planet was my jam. Are you kidding me? Like, okay, I could go, I could do a whole podcast just how much I love Treasure Planet, except for, yeah, honestly, except for Martin Swordsmith, because he was a bit too much. But what? <laughs> well, okay, you know what? Actually, this is fair, because I've never seen Treasure Planet. So if you watch Tangled, I'll watch mm. Treasure Planet. Okay, it's a deal then. You guys heard it here. I'll watch Tangled and he has to watch Treasure Planet. Okay, deal. Um, David Hyde so yeah, okay. Treasure Planet, so is Emma Thompson. That's okay. I, I like those people. So, you know what I just thought of? I just thought of the chick from Atlantis who's like, Commander, Commander, Commander. Like trying to, like the. This the is Packard. Mrs. Packard is a bona fide bamf. We're all yeah, gonna I die. Love <laughs> Commander. Oh, he took his bags? Oh, Margie. I don't think he's coming back. Um, okay. Packard! <laughs> Can I just say that honestly, this scene in the bar between three our three main leading ladies is something and I I know I'm speaking just for myself as a longtime monster, but I feel like Many, many fans have wanted to see something like this since season one when they had the girls' night um, at the rabbit hole with Ruby and Mary Margaret and Emma and Cinderella. Like, I have wanted to see something similar to this. Like, uh, since that was put into my brain, Little Red Riding Hood, Snow White, and Cinderella go to a bar. Like, I've wanted to see something similar to this. Basically, we saw the evil queen in Snow White get boozy. And I am so grateful for that. Thank you, show. I've wanted to see something like this for a while. Not even just, like, the ladies' night out scene, but a scene of just the three of them. Like... That is true. Just the three of them... Like, the three of them talking, like, here's, we're jumping around, and you brought up something that's going to jump us forward in time in the episode. I wasn't going to discuss this yet, but we're already there, so we're already there. Um, I would have preferred to have Emma, Regina, and Snow White actually talking at the bar, even with with Snow being drunk. I feel like they could have turned it around to a thing where it sounds like Snow White was spewing a bunch of drunken nonsense, but she was actually making perfectly good sense against all I'm wondering if that's going to be a cut scene. And um, I would have preferred to see the three of them talking about some things. And, like, because when I'm thinking about that kind of thing, like the three of them, like, kind of talking stuff out about whatever, I'm thinking about, like, Regina being like, yeah, 
Because here was my thing, right? Regina was all like, let's lift Emma's spirits and whatever. But at a certain, like, doesn't Regina have stuff to talk about, too? Doesn't Snow have stuff to talk about, too? Like, all three of them are kind of having shitty love lives right now. Why couldn't the three of them have had a conversation either about that or about how they don't need no man to be happy. Like that would have been a great conversation to hear, like something where they were giving each other encouragement. Well, maybe not so much snow because she's married. Her husband's just asleep, but you know, she hasn't seen him in how long. So, um, you know, I feel like that kind of thing would have, that's something that I would have preferred to see. Cause it's funny. Cause like earlier in that episode, there was that moment in this episode, there was that moment where Regina even says to Emma, like, how do you, yeah, like, how do you feel? And Emma's like, well, hooks left. It sucks. But how do you feel? Like, it sucks. Like, that was funny. I laughed at that. Jen's delivery was hilarious. It also kind of made me laugh because there's been several times in the podcast, even, like, maybe a couple of months ago, where I was saying how I want to know how the characters feel. Like, let them, give them a moment to slow down and just tell us <laughs> how they feel. And then they did. And I was like, sweet. But then Emma said, talked about how she felt to the bartender. And I was like, if we really, like, I understand that Emma is, like, going through some stuff and, you know, maybe she doesn't want to talk to her loved ones. But, and when, and Regina even said it, too, like, I know that you've got your walls up because you're Emma. But at a certain, like, and my first thought when I heard that was, I, it was kind of, like, twofold. Because on the one hand, I was like, yeah, that makes sense because that is totally something that Emma would do. But then I thought to myself, like, isn't she past this, though? Like, well, wasn't, like, wasn't the whole point of her relationship with Hook and finding her parents the fact that, like, her walls are down now? Like, I understand that Hook left, so she might be in a little bit more of a, like, you know, in a different emotional state. But I feel like that could also send the message of, like, you know, your your walls like, you know, are only going to come down when you're around a person and if you're, like, with someone that loves you. And as soon as, like, your romantic love interest leaves, like, it's time to be all closed up again. Like, I feel like as a person, if you maybe, well, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. Maybe there are people who go through life like that. I, well, I was going to say, I, from, from my experience, time, um, from my experience, when you let someone in, and then they betray you, and you you close yourself off. It's really hard to let somebody in again. And when you let somebody in again, and you never in your life would think that they would also leave you without a word, that they would just disappear from your life. Because this has happened to me. Um, after you've made a real connection, and and you tell them uh, the one thing, please, whatever happens, don't go and then they do without a word with nothing you very much retreat back into that shell because it's like well I didn't it's hard for me to articulate this there's only so many times that you can get hurt before you you know instead of having armor you have walls you know what I mean um, yeah, it takes a long time to be okay with what happened. Now, granted, uh, Emma got the best. I mean, 
she honestly like got the best outcome of this because it turns out that Hook didn't dump her, leave her, betray her. But I mean that's I mean that's why she was packing up all of his crap because think about all of the other men in her life who have just left, appeared. Like even like even Walsh the monkey. I mean, for, she had an emotional connection with him before she knew he was a flying monkey. You know what I mean? Like we didn't need to go there, but continue. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. I mean, even to some extent, her father. You know what I mean? Because for a very long time, she felt that her father didn't want her. So, and obviously, she knows she knows in her brain. That that's not, you know, it, it's not true that she's loved and she's cared for by people. But sometimes it's very hard to hard to make your heart understand that. And so sometimes you get a bit irrational. Like, you know, logically, you know, A, B, C, you know, one plus one is two, but your heart is telling you one plus one is five. And it's really hard when those two things um, fight against each other. Like, I know from personal experience. It's really hard if you have been put in position where people leave you to know, to understand, not to know, to understand that, no, there are people who care about you. And I think I might, I mean, obviously it's a television show. I'm probably getting too psychological. But for me, it makes her, Emma in this episode makes sense to me. Okay, well, that's fair enough. I guess it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm that's not my personality. So, um, if it does, you know, if it makes sense to other people in addition to Ashley, then I'm glad it didn't make sense to me. So, I'm, I'm just saying what I felt, and oh, hate mail, please. Um, let's see here. I, no, I don't know. Like, I just feel like I still want to speak on this actually because I feel like she would just would have moved just really quickly. I feel like she would have moved past this a little bit. Like, if her family, like, she found her family, and apparently they've all been bonding off screen. So, if that's the case, then why can't we have seen for that? Like, really, like, truly. And correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody, anybody. But what was the last Emma Snow solo scene together. Something of significance. Um. Because uh. the last thing that I can remember is when they were getting ready for the ball in Camelot. I don't remember if anything I'm happened. I'm Camelot. I don't remember if anything happened in the underworld or in the land of untold stories that put them together where they had a conversation. Because, like, remember in season one yeah. and two when they were speaking all the time? Where the hell? Uh, anyway. I miss that. Yeah. Well, I miss Mary Margaret, see. Emma Chess. Yes. Um, I'm just going to go through the whole flashback all at once, actually. And we're pro- we might get a little yeah, bit Yeah, that might be easier to understand because... I, I agree with you, though. The flashbacks were a little... It was just a little confusing because, we, yeah, like you said, we went... We had in the Enchanted Forest and then the Nautilus and then the island, but then we also had Agrabah, but then, like, the desert outside of Agrabah, and then... Eh. 
So yeah, go for it. Go 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 gadget flashback. Yeah. Um. All right. So story broke in the present. So it started out with Emma telling Charming the truth about his dad, and that Hook left town on the Nautilus. Um. Charming's reaction was interesting in that it wasn't much of a reaction. Um, I don't know if that was just me, but I, I, it struck me as odd. Josh said in an interview with Entertainment Weekly that I saw um, this week that he and that Charming and everyone else sees the differences in Hook's personality that he's tried to make, and so that's why he kind of is able to forgive him easier. Um, I do love that when Charming hugs Emma, he always puts his hand on the back of her head. I love Mm -hmm. that Josh does that. It's just that small little thing that you can count on every time he hugs Emma. Like, it's consistent behavior. It reminds me of cradling a baby, kind of. Like, he's trying to get in, like, the kid hugs that he he never got. Right. Yes. Thank you for saying that, because I was thinking of that and just vocalizing it. Um, They were also (laughs) digitizing the sheriff files, which I thought was interesting, considering they still have data. Um, Regina showed up. I just want to say, too, really quickly, and I don't, like... Feels so against like doesn't matter how people look kind of feeling, but I love the fact that they stopped flipping Regina's hair on the one side and just kind of let it be. I liked it. I liked that. I thought it was cute. No, I mean it's cute, but I've like I like her hair down the way it is. It's different from how we've ever seen it before. Um, it's very it's never been this. It's never been this cut. So I like the fact that it was just kind of sleek and like, you know, around her head. I will say though, I was looking, I was watching blooper reels today from all of the seasons thus far. Um, season three hair is my favorite Regina hair. Um, the Neverland Season hair. two hair is my favorite. When it's the, when it's yeah, the longest. I like, yeah, Cricket Game hair is great hair. I will say that. Yeah. Um, that's good hair. Um, let's see. But yeah, I just, I, I don't know. It was interesting to see Lana finally have longer hair because a lot of the pictures I've seen from her, you know, from not, you know, obviously previous seasons, she's been growing it out, but from other shows too that she's been on, <clears throat> like Miami Medical and things, like that she had shorter hair. So it was interesting to see her hair so long last season. I really liked it. Like, I loved her hair in the finale. And then she, they cut it, or she cut it. Somebody cut it short. I want to know. I want to know who does her hair in Storybrooke. Like, I want, like, is, like, Sweeney Todd in there doing hair? Dude, that would be sick. Oh, my God. Oh, I would love that. Um, She's the one character who has such, like, and the thing is, though, having short hair myself, Somebody has to be trimming up snow because, like, I get my hair, I get my hair buzzed. My hair goes down to a one, and I get it done every four weeks, and it grows out so quickly. So somebody has to be maintaining that pixie cut on Snow White as well. I want to know who does the hair in Storybrooke. <laughs> Bringing us right back around to Tangled. It would be funny if it's Rapunzel. <laughs> yes. Well, we've seen, we've, we've seen, I've seen it. 
we've we've seen her on the show before, so that'd be kind of neat if she like came over and was like, "Hey." Yeah. Um. Let's see. Um. Oh yeah, half price liquor is the way to go. Um. I love when she said she doesn't have to be asleep, and then Charming was like, "Oh come on, I just woke up," and because Regina's face right after that was like so like like old school evil queen. <laughs> even her. Even she had her makeup done too. Um, I love the fact that Emma said she couldn't go because she was about to go out on patrol. Because I was like, okay, she's still working. This is nice. It kind of made me feel still like sheriffing. Yeah, still sheriffing. Um, oh, also, when Regina said, "I know you're hurting, and I know you're trying to hide it because you're the Emma, but you can't run from this," and then Jen looked over, she goes, "I didn't run." Like the way that she said that, like even though what she what she was saying was hurting the character, the way that Jen said it was still like humorous. Because she just kind of like the way that she lifts her eyebrows when she when she blinked, it was like I didn't run. Like she was full on like try me. Like no, I didn't run. It wasn't me. It was him. Like I love that she's just full. The sass, um, I, I, that's what it was. Is there was sass in this episode, and I enjoyed that. Um, and also, then I just had a random thought. Mm-hmm. I just had a completely random thought. Did you realize that, like, do you think that maybe Regina was so keen on having a girls' night because she's never really had a real girls' night? Like, the last time she had a girls' night was with the Queens of Darkness, and that involved, like, burning things? That's- that was like espionage for the heroes, though. Like, that well, was yeah, like I know, but like, that was, was like, like the they were like, come on, we're gonna have fun, and she was like, okay, and it was like, gonna make you part of our gang. <laughs> I don't know. Just, well, I, don't yeah, think, like, I don't think we've ever actually like, had have, like. She's never had a friend, friend, really. Like, like, can you really count villains as friends if they? Dude, like, I don't know. I guess, she, I guess she counted Maleficent as a friend because she called her one in the second episode of the show. You're my only real friend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but again, you so, still can't see them chatting over martinis, which were humongous, by the way. No, I couldn't see them talking over, like, martinis but like about anything. But I... Well, no, actually, I could because if Ma- if Maleficent is still hanging out with Billy in town somewhere, I assume, then um, you know, mm. yeah, mm. um, who knows, really? Um, later on <laughs> in this storyline, um, Emma was at home with Henry, staring at Hook's ring. They make people do weird things on TV. Um, like it's very different from real life. Um, Emma is at the bar with the ruffians. Well, the Vikings, excuse me. Um, later on, let me see. Da, 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 da. The bartender is hot. Um, da, da, da. and evil. He wasn't evil. Gideon was evil. The bartender was just cute. Um, let's see. Oh, the bartender was Gideon. She, he was, but the he was getting after like the guy playing the bartender, like the original Aesop, for lack of you know better descriptor, he was super hot. Um, I thought it was him so, the whole time, and that's why he got the tear. I didn't mean to jump forward. I was. Uh, 
Oh, no, well, no, I'm, that's what I mean. I think that it – well, no, I assume that Aesop was – well, no, because he was there the whole time, I guess. The dialogue – yeah, the dialogue means that he was there the whole time, huh? Because I thought that Gideon was just pretending to be Aesop, like Aesop at the end and then, like, revealed that he had the tear, and I assumed that that had happened off screen. So – I guess that doesn't actually work though, because the dialogue actually specifically said, I guess, didn't it, that he was there. Okay, never mind. Um, but I um, let me see that moment in the. Oh, that's what we didn't talk about with the drinking when um, Snow toasted Emma. Her reaction, she's like, <laughs> "Oh," and then Regina was like, "Misery Meat Company." Like that was pretty funny. Um. I did notice, too, that when Regina and Emma were having their conversation and Snow was, like, kind of half passed out Snow next was, to Regina. She was white girl wasted. Call it what it is. Snow was white girl wasted, face on the bar, which is total party foul. Yeah, she was white girl wasted up on the bar. So um, I thought that it was interesting that they were both wearing black and Snow was wearing white. Um. Hmm. That was the most crunk of them all. I think, you know, she was wearing white for yeah. purity, and yet she was completely schwasty, so. Yeah, well, you know, she's, yeah, she's snow. She wears white. Um, And then because when they were, and then that was, oh, so. <laughs> She got knocked up. My God, I'm never alone. That one for right. you, Katie. Yeah, if you ever listen. That's, that song is from the Once Upon a Time Rock Opera, in case you're wondering where that came from. That's Snow White's, part of Snow White's ballad there. Um, and that was, when, that was when Snow got up and was like, hey, they're leaving without paying. And then, do you have a problem with us? Yes, I do. And then, uh, yes, I do. yeah, all that. all that happened. And also, too, at the end of that, because I wrote this down when Regina said, are you going to break this up? And I was like, no. And now you want me to open up. I really think I'd rather be distracted. It seems like an excellent distraction from, you know, the thing I'd like to be distracted from. Uh, the dialogue on this episode was amazing. And I also, uh, like, I really appreciated that. I thought it was so funny. Um, just, it was so, yeah, it was just, I uh, also loved. I was. I loved when when Snow started like hollering at the bar and like Regina's like, oh my god, shut up. Emma's reaction is to like totally put the hand over the eyes, like my mother is embarrassing me at the pub. What? Like I love that little cutaway of her just going, oh my god. Oh, that's so funny because I didn't even think about it for most. Okay. Um. That's even better that she would be embarrassed because it's her mom. Um, let's see. So then, oh, Snow's score was 100 compared to the Viking of 46. And then Snow was also wearing the pointed hat back wearing pool, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, 
I'm sorry. I think I, I know everyone's been saying this a drunk snow is them, but I really do truly. I have a ta- I have a habit of acquiring headwear when I've been drinking. So, uh, a drunk snow definitely like spoke to me this episode. <laughs> um, I love the references too because right after that, that's when um, Emma went up to the bar and and saw Aesop, and I love the references, I love the titles of the drinks, I love the Ant and the Grasshopper, like all of that, that was really funny. Um, oh, yeah. Um, and then also, like, then, I, then that's when Emma, you know, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, the entire, the name of the bar, the Aesop's table, like, who, do you, I can see them sitting in the writing room and being like, puns, 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 but it, it really worked. For that, and I love how it carried through through the character and just the, his whole backstory, whether it was real or not, because if, if he was Gideon or not, just all I don't know. It was so well rounded for such a small thing that I didn't feel it wasn't jarring that they didn't go to the rabbit hole, that they went to a new pub. It wasn't, you know, just none of it felt out of place. It felt very like in line with Once Upon a Time. And I, yeah, I really and was, do appreciate that. Aesop's tables. That's hilarious. Um, so funny. Um, I like the pun. Kind of like the all the other ones. Like the this every um God, every given Sunday. That one too. Um, all right, let's see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> later later on after she talked to Aesop when she went home and Henry had never put the stuff in the shed like she had asked them to. That's some real life teenager shit right there. Like really. Oh my god. Um, like that reminded me of when like I've been screwing around all day and my mom's like she calls, she's like, I'm on my way home and I was supposed to take the like I was supposed to take the chicken out for dinner and I hadn't taken it out, so I'm like frantically like running it over hot water, be like, Okay, saw it, chicken saw, I'm gonna get in trouble. Yeah. Oh my god. Um I was like, that's 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 real life right there. And then right after that, when Emma went out there, she was talking like she was hearing Hook through the shell phone. <laughs> I got one. He's at home. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, oh my god. I was like, that's so perfect and yet so bad. It, it like, should be so. It should be so goofy. I should be like, boo, this is terrible. But I was like, no, I love it. I don't care. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then, yeah, Aesop showed up and he was getting in because, of course, we got Corrid again. We always get Corrid. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wants Emma to help him by killing the Black Fairy. Now, obviously, they're not going to reveal all of his plan all at once or anything, but I'm really trying to get a handle on what exactly is going on here, and I'm not understanding how his grand plan can work out. Like, what does killing her, like, have to do with it? Like, why do you want to kill your grandma, dude? Like, I don't understand. Grandmas don't really have a good track record on one, so there's a lot of, well, yeah, dead grandparents. But, yeah, I, that also kind of struck me as odd is that he he's, I guess, we see it as him changing gears, but I'm wondering if, if that's his either, I mean, I would assume that it was his plan all along because there'd be no reason for him to, like, he had the moment to kill Emma right there. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, so yeah. 
obviously he had an ulterior motive or a change in plans. And I just, I feel like a lot of things are going to be revealed next episode. Because what, what's the title of next episode? Isn't it like Mommy's Little Helper or something? So I feel like we're going to see why Gideon... I mean, obviously we know why Gideon wanted to kill the Black Fairy because she was absolutely horrendous to him, but I feel like we're going to get a very disturbing snapshot into what exactly went into that. I just want to know why... The, the change felt very sudden. Like, I, it was supposed to be a twist, but for me it was kind of like, okay, but why? Like, what? there's yeah. been no hint that he had ulterior motive. That's what it was. There's been no hint that he had an ulterior motive other than killing Emma. But that isn't that part of his plan to kill Emma, though? To kill the Black Fairy? Help me kill my grandmother, and then I'm going to kill you. That's what I thought the whole thing was, is that he needed to kill the Black Fairy so that he could kill Emma, so he's going to have Emma kill the Black Fairy so then he can kill her. So it's like a, you're going to help me kill you kind of situation. Well, why did he want to have that? I, I guess I, I'm at a loss to why he needs the Black Fairy killed. Maybe, maybe I'm not, I haven't been paying attention close yeah, enough. that's what I mean. Like, I, 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 I'm, I'm anxious to see. I'm sure that you're right, and we will find out next week, because Mother's Little Helper is the episode where we get some of Gideon's backstory, so I'm sure that that will come up. It's going to, uh, I don't know, just something about that title and, like, knowing who it's about. Like, I just got, like, a like a chill, like, bleh, bleh. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll see how it goes. And that was pretty much the end of what was going on in Storybrooke in the present of Snurs, like Emma and Snow, Regina, that whole storyline, right? Um, and obviously Charming went back to sleep. Now, after that, um, also, okay, so yeah, also in the present, I guess we'll do pre- the the other present day storyline, and then we'll go to the flashback because they're kind of intermixed. Because um, even that was like a lot. Um, let's see. So first of all, when the Nautilus was underwater and doing its thing, I thought that Storybrooke's waters were amazingly well lit, considering that they were sailing around at night. Um, that moon's got some kind of power, man. Well, the Nautilus um, has light, doesn't it? Like on the outside. Well, yeah, but that, that was that light was coming from up above, so it's fine. Um, let's wow. see. We just uh, and so it's moonlight, right? Yes. All right. So and then yeah, the portal showed up, and it was so funny because after like the ship was done doing its thing, right, and going to the new realm, wherever that was, because uh, we didn't know at the time. I think it was Nemo. Who said? But somebody said we just portaled into another realm, and I literally it was thought Nemo, to myself, yeah. "Yeah, Nemo." And I literally thought to myself in that moment, "I said, well, that sounds like a regular Tuesday night in Storybrooke. What's for dinner?" Like I was just amused to use that as a verb. Like he's like portaled. Oh yeah, clearly. And I, I just I don't know why that amused right. me. I think because we use it as a verb so often. I was like, "Hey, they stole our word." <laughs> yeah, we portaled. Um. But really, I don't understand. I was like, when it happened, I was like, how did this get created? Um, what, like, what the hell? And then, like, right after Hook was done talking about how he needed to get back to Emma for, like, the millionth time, um, then they revealed that Kraken's blood also opens portals. Hmm. 
You know, it just Didn't we know that no I, I... Oh no, that's Squid Ink. Sorry. I was like, didn't we know already know that? But no that I was thinking because I was thinking of back in season three and that was Squid Ink is what I was thinking of, not Kraken Flood. Well, they revealed that in season one too, like didn't they? The ink for the season two, I think. One of those. Really Squid Ink had magical properties in season two, but they didn't. They like they had to call with the conch in season three. It was when yeah, Regina and Rumpel and his war paint were at the beach. Well, you know that was when Neil had to call it for it so that they could get the ink so that they could use it on pan. The other scene okay, you're thinking of am... conch shell. Oh. No, you're right. The scene there was a scene with Regina and Rumpel using the conch shell, but they used that to call Ariel so that they could send her to Storybrooke, and that's when she went and got Belle. Ah, uh, okay. I knew there was some sort of portally whatever. Yeah. Um. Wow. You know that, like, I just again one of those moments where you realize what you just came out of your mouth. All right. So, um. um <laughs> Hook wanted to hunt one of the Krakens, but Nemo didn't want to. And then he was like, let's go hunting. And I was like, okay. You're telling me that Hook is going to convince the whole crew to risk their lives against the Kraken just so he can get back to his girlfriend? Well, he's That's the captain. No, he's not the captain's son. He's the captain pseudo son mentor thing. I don't know. That true love is some strong magic, man, if it has that kind of effect on people. Let me tell you. Um, I kind of like how Hook was kind of like Harry Potter in book five, like angsty, shouty Hook. I actually kind of liked it when he was like, um, you need to peace out because I'm trying to, like, study and do some maps and some, like, navigation, Aladdin, so no, I can't pass notes in study hall for you. I just, I don't know, there's something about that scene that I know it was supposed to be kind of serious, but it was still kind of funny. No. Um, and I love the fact that the magic carpet was in the title card. Um, and then also going on and see the and then this is where the other stuff happened and then these two things will converge. So it, back in the enchanted forest of the present, we see that Aladdin and Jasmine are walking in the snow, and you can see Regina's castle is in the background, which I thought was really interesting that they showed that as if to be like, hey, look, like, here's the thing. Like, just so you know exactly where you are now, here's this castle mm. from forever that you know of. So, you know. Um, when, uh, when Jasmine was like, no, like, like I can't, like, I was like, why is she so, like, when, when Aladdin was saying how, oh, you know, we should, you know, Oh, come when he said, "Oh, come on, princess," or whatever. Like he, you know, I was like, "I'm being so descriptive right now." So there's a point when they're walking along the lake that Aladdin is basically trying to make the moves on Jasmine, and she is not having any of it. And she basically is just like, "No, I can't have love." And I was like, "Are you Padme and Attack of the Clones? Like, what's going on here?" And then he said. Oh, come on, princess. And it's funny because I was like, when he said that, even though there's dialogue after after that, I was like, now oh, you when sang too, did didn't you? Let your heart decide. Um, I know, I definitely sang it in my head too. I was just, I, oh, yeah. I, I, as soon as you said that line, I was like, oh, I know where he's going with this. Yeah, I sang it too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there was a ring. And I was like, what's with the ring? I was like, and now there's a boat. 
so we're getting on the boat. And then they got on the boat, and there was a thing in the water. And, like, in my notes, this is in all caps. I said, there's a thing in the water. Why is there always a thing in the water? Why is this show trying to give me trauma? Um, because I was just thinking about Monster of the Whale that we have discussed at length here. So, like, why? Um, also, too, with that facehugger, excuse me, with that Kraken, I was getting some serious facehugger vibes from I really was. And Ray, I know you agree with me out there in listener land. Um, so then Hook arrived in the same lake, or it's not a lake, I guess. It's a body of water that is somehow connected to something that the Kraken is in. Um, so there we go. And then Hook, he came up out of the um, the Nautilus, and he was like, Hurry up and get it up here before you get yourself killed. And it was, it's, I don't know if it was just me, if I misheard it, but it was just, I was like, okay, that's, I don't, is that what he said? I thought that's what he said, like killed, right? Like get yourselves killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's what my closed caption said. Okay. I'll give you a moment to grab something so you can catch all that shade I just threw. So right after that, um, Hook wanted to use one of Jasmine's wishes. I know you know I just rolled my eyes. I know I didn't even have to say it, and you could hear it from all the way from Chicago. <laughs> yes, I heard it all the way in Los Angeles. So Hook wants to use one of Jasmine's wishes to get to Emma, but then Aladdin warns him that wishes aren't working out the way that you want. You know, so there's that whole thing. Jasmine admitted that she was afraid of Jafar. I can see why with what was going on in the flashbacks. He was um, kind of gropey in the flashbacks. I could totally see that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, Hook wanted to use I, – because I, I have a note here. I don't know what this means, but I write this. What is this thing Hook wants to use to find Jafar? Oh, the, the spear in the box. The spear in the box. That's right, because I was thinking to myself, is it the sun spear from the quest? Like, is this a thing? Um, all right. So I thought that would have been kind of cool. Um, all right. So then that's the thing I want to use to find All right. And then, oh, this. Mm. So it seemed at that point like they were trying to make Hook like the hero of the Aladdin story when Jasmine was saying that like Agri- like perhaps we have to have Agrabah's hero after all. Like, okay, I know that this is going to end up being Jasmine who's like the hero of this story, but I was like, why are we even attempting to hint at the fact that like Hook is going to be the hero of the Jafar story? Like, why don't we let like It Jafar... definitely felt out of place. Yeah, like, I was like, no, no, no. I was like, Jasmine and Aladdin are the heroes of the Aladdin story, so why don't we let them hero? Um, that'd be way, way more interesting. So, <clears throat> let me see. He would ca- He was looking out of the window, and Jasmine came over and said that she didn't deserve love because she let her people down. Right. Um. I, okay, now I interpreted that as, because she, she kind of explained that later on where 
her, it was always like the duty of the princess is to the people first. So I feel like because she, you know, by embracing love, she was putting herself first. I, that's how I interpreted all that, where she let her people down. You know, she shouldn't be thinking about personal things when her people still need her, is how I interpreted that. Mm, okay, I accept. Um, and then at that point, something happened that caused the Nautilus to begin sinking. Um, so Jasmine started wishing them off of the ship, and it worked. Um, and then when they were up on the snowy lakeside, which was gorgeous, again, that whole snow factor it really gives it a fairy tale feel, especially when they're like, when Hook is in fairy tale clothes, it was really selling it. Aladdin, too, obviously. But then Jasmine is in, like, regular storybook wear. So I was like, this is the most interesting, <laughs> like, mix of costumes going on right now. Um, I can only imagine, like, in wardrobe that day where they were like, all right, so we're going to need two fantasies and one real world stat. Like, I thought that was pretty funny. A double and a double click or, combo. Yeah, yeah, one double click combo. Um, I just had an idea for something. Okay, so... Let's see. Um, Hook said goodbye to Liam at that point. Yeah. Does this um, mean that, like, Nemo is out of the picture as well? Like, are we – I feel like we're paring down our storylines. Like, that rather well, – Not suddenly, sure but, like – I was like, basically what I was getting off of this episode is, like, I didn't – like, I understood the function of it, like – kind of the purpose of it, but I was also like, I feel like this could have been told without the Nautilus. Um, I don't think that that was Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Because it just felt like it was, it felt like it was out of place. Um, and it also was kind of awkward for Hook to be like saying goodbye to Liam, like they had spent time together considering that we haven't seen him since that one episode. Like it doesn't really, like, their relationship doesn't seem to have mattered very much, so I didn't know why. You know what I mean? Like, is that what it was? Like, is I mean, was the whole purpose of that just to get Hook's goodbye to Liam in there? Just because, like, honestly, I had forgotten that he even had a brother, um, and that his brother was on the Nautilus until they brought it up, and I was like, oh, it, yeah, yeah, truly, honestly. Um, I love the fact that right after that they came up to an off-season tiki bar. <laughs> Isn't there like a whole thing at Disneyland, like is it the tiki room and all that? That's because that's immediately what I thought of. Yes, they have the enchanted tiki room, and then there's a tiki bar at the Disneyland hotel where they sell Dole Whips with or without alcohol. I've never had a Dole Whip either. I've been to the Ashley. Dole Plantation. I've never had a Dole Whip. But what kind of crime is that? Listen, friends, all of you listeners out there in Listerland who we love and adore and interact with online, help me convince Ashley to move to Los Angeles. So the Nautilus was thinking, and they went to the off-season bar, and it was Ariel's, which, and honestly, I felt so dumb when they, like, revealed that it was Ariel's because I was genuinely, like, up until the point that she walked in, I was like, wow, whose house is this? <laughs> there were dingle hoppers in a melon. 
no, like, I didn't, like, even, like, when that came, when the forks came down, I was like, okay, that's interesting, forks. And still, didn't, it, I didn't, did not connect. Mm-hmm. Still. Until she walked in the room. And then I was like, oh, that's right. Ariel's in this episode. Cool. Um, <laughs> and mind you, like, we were we were still going back and forth to the flashback at that point. So it wasn't like I hadn't seen her already. Like, I knew that she was in the episode, but I didn't connect to the fact that she was going to be, like, I in the modern-day stuff. I thought she was only going to be in the flashback. You know what I mean? Like, they were just kind of making sure that she was there so that we could – make sure we knew where they ended up as well kind of thing. Um, mm. Even though it didn't, even though that didn't actually work out that way in the end for her, but we'll get to that later. So then um, Ariel had Jafar's bottle, like the bottle, his genie bottle from the point of time in Wonderland that he was trapped in. Right. Um, she had that. And I love the fact that they kept that in as continuity because I was like, yes, like they, like Wonderland, the show does exist, and those things did happen. And so, yeah, it was. Well, like, Jane was very, Jane was very, uh, Jane Espence is very instrumental in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland as well. So, I mean, it would have been a crime if it hadn't been continuity. But yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that that worked out that way. Um. And then when he came out and he saw who they were and then he just broke his shackles off and Ariel said, son of a fish. I did laugh at that. (laughs) But then I immediately was like, wait, how the hell did he break that genie spell? Like that you can't just like, you can't just stop being a genie. Like, and I know that he has like, you know, broken the laws of magic before and so it's not like it's a big deal for him but I cannot accept that reasoning this time because it's like a curse like you can only be freed if somebody wishes you free so if he didn't get wished free how did he get like I don't understand that bothered me a lot it did bother me a bit too because I was like that was the whole thing of the ending of Wonderland was, okay, we're going to imprison him as a genie, and even, you know, like, that's it. Like, you're in prison, dude. And, like, you know, I don't, I, I agree. It did kind of bother me that he was like, oh, JK, not a genie anymore. And I was like, ah, oh, but that's not a thing. Like, I mean, and, even, and, and you know what, honestly, that's not even like a once upon a time nitpicky thing. Like, that's like a whole, like, Jin genie lore thing. Yeah. So, a little bit bigger than that. Um, he puts everyone to sleep except for Jasmine. And she was like, where's my city? And he was like, you were single, so I went and put a ring in it. Or in this case, it in a ring. Um, oh. <laughs> um, I also it's, thought that it was really he said he said, he said it's Janir you not Jafar <laughs> Janir and Jafar is one of my favorite puns god I love that joke that meme online you um, really you really messed me up I honestly you had me going for when you first told that on the podcast you had me going for like a good solid minute like his brother Janir oh my god his brother Janir, Jafar Janir. Um, 
Oh, maybe that's how he broke the curse. Maybe Janir wished him free. So, um, you go. <laughs> um, I thought that Odette Fair really nailed Jafar's speech patterns from the animated version. Um, mm-hmm. There, and it's subtle, but because Jafar is kind of like monotone a little bit, but there are, you know, he does have a little bit of a, a, a of a fun kind of cadence to his voice. So uh, when he raised his voice, he'd be like, teeny tiny prison of your people. I was like, itty bitty living space, which I know is, you know, yeah. So that's more like the genius thing, but I was like, yeah. Um, I, I agree. I, I definitely like dialed in on how he, he was saying things because his voice and his delivery, it was like oil pouring out of a bottle and it was just like it would ebb and flow and it was, it was just very interesting. I really like that. Um, so yeah, it was a itty bitty little space. A tiny little reference there. Uh, little, like literally. He said teeny tiny thing. Um, and then Jafar threw, or Jafar, Jasmine threw the bottle of sand at Jafar and it didn't break. And I was like, really? But then when it turned out that she was lying and she hit him in the face with the magic sand and, and by the way, that bottle totally was like, it had red sand in it, which is what he tried to use to drown her in the animated movie in the big hourglass full of red sand. So I was like, oh, ha ha, like nice. Um, but yeah, she hit him with that red sand, which as we already knew from earlier in the flashback, it turned him into like a walking staff. Uh, a terrifying looking walking staff. Those things are, whoever did the props with that, those things are horrifying. They really are. Like props to the props department, like, but oh my God. Like little shrunken head sticks. I was not, a, I was like, oh God. Yeah, disturbing. And not in like the Harry Potter night boat kind of way. Um which is only from the movie. Um, and then she had True Love's Kiss with Aladdin, that Jasmine princess of ours, and it not only brought Agrabah back, but it also transported all of them from the forest to the desert. And I got to say, that is one strong kiss. True true love truly is the most powerful magic hall. And then that was when we <laughs> found out that Ariel had the shell phone, and then that's when Hook called Emma on the shell phone, and I just about keeled over from the overwhelmingness of the pun. Um, I love that Ariel's kind of like a bag lady. She just has like all, like she, she has like all her thingamabobs and whatever. I just, I, I kind of love that that carried over from the animated and she's such a pack rat and she's just like, oh wait, hold on. I Let me check my Mary Poppins bag for like some like random stuff that you need. And then going over to the flashback, um, I love the fact that the title card said Capital of Agrabah because I was like, okay, they've clearly heard us questioning whether Agrabah was a city or a kingdom because we, you know, we really weren't sure. Um, Well, and then like how um, Jafar said he was from Lower Agrabah, like the Lower West Side. <laughs> um, too much. So yeah, um, I did enjoy that as well because it clarified that point for us. Um, also to the dude the in the purple costume. outfit, 
yeah, the, well, the dude in the purple outfit, Prince Ahmed, is also from the movie because he mm-hmm. wore in the animated movie he wore an outfit that is very similar to that one, you know. Um, so yeah, I was like, okay, I see what they're doing here. Like I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, but yeah, like I absolutely, I could not get over, um, particularly Jasmine's costume in this episode. Like there was just something so rich and detailed about it. Like, I guess maybe I've gotten used to seeing like the leather and fur from the enchanted forest. So switching to another realm and just looking at like, you know, the detail on her veil and everything. I was just so enchanted by that. Um, oh yeah, and then Jafar showed up, and I was like, and this was the first time that we had seen him, so I was like, where have you been, dude? Like, <laughs> where? Um, and also to going back to the fact that he got turned into a walking staff, I'm kind of sad because like that we remember when we were questioning whether or not he was going to appear in Storybrooke, um. Yeah. Clearly got our answer, so. Yeah. I forgot about those theories. We were like, well, what if he's under the black hood, and what if, you know, this, that, and the other, and and the third, and and now it's like, nah. Nah, not going to happen. And that's the the interesting thing is that I guess this entire time he's been in that bottle, too. So it's kind of like, because. Didn't we think that he was kind of instrumental in running around and doing things? It's like, no, he's just been, you know, in a bottle this whole time. Yeah, I thought, well... Wait. So... Did the flashback stuff happen... And then Wonderland happened, and then the present day stuff happened. That's how I interpreted it, yeah. Hard to keep track of. I know. I, I kind of want to know where Wonderland kind of like sticks in. I, I it, to me, it kind of feels like it happens after all the Aladdin Jasmine business and it's like, okay, and then there's Wonderland and then yeah, I mean it must. It must because Wonderland ends with him being exiled in the bottle, so Hmm. All right. Um Well yeah, no no that makes sense. Oh the the walking staff because that's when we saw um Jafar turned Prince Ahmed into the staff using red sand. And I was like, this is really a lot like the creepy puppet parents. <laughs> really? Didn't you it think is, so? Though. I, not until you just mentioned it. Now that it like, makes it like 120 times worse. <laughs> freaky, dude. I hate, those, I hate those puppets so much. I know. Uh, me too. They're just awful. Uh, let's see. So then... I mean, they're like the best kind of awful, but also like this. Yeah. Um, let's see. So then Jafar said he wanted Jasmine to marry him by sundown, and there was like some kind of like horn or something that sounded. There was some kind of like 
Middle Eastern instrument. I don't know exactly what term to use. I'm sorry. Um, and it was just, it sounded really cool. Whatever that was, I was like, well, that's neat. Um, it was just something that I noticed that I made a note of. Um, and then Jasmine was in the marketplace after that, walking around as one is wont to do in Agrabah. And that's when, the, you know, street rat, thief, and security's chasing him. And I was thinking totally of the movie. And it turned out to be Ariel, of course. I was thinking of the movie, too. I don't know if you saw this, but when Jasmine was kind of like, you know, the, the peddlers came up and were showing their wares, there was one guy who had a necklace in his hand, and I mean, it was like a pretty necklace for a pretty lady. It's immediately what jumped in my head. Yeah. It was it was nice to see, you know, like those little references here and there. Um, like, that's how I like really, them doing like a reference. Is, subtle. Yeah, well, this is like the one, like, classic animated like you know renaissance movie that we didn't get a whole lot of time with as far as the story goes you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. well i guess cinderella too but we had a you know a little bit more of a storyline with ariel she was involved in neverland a little bit you know um we've had merida like we haven't had tiana yet which if the show gets canceled i'm gonna be really sad that they never do tiana but um just because I'm like, you might as well fit, you know, finish them all now. Where's Pocahontas, too? Although I don't know how they would fit that in because she's historical. It's, so I think that's probably what you never would have shown Yeah, those are the historical ones. Are, well, they did move on. She's historical. Yeah, but you can also kind of, like, she's also kind of like a legend, too. So. Mm, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Pocahontas, like, Pocahontas was actually in my history book. So I, I get what you mean. Yeah, um, I just feel like there's a there's a difference there. Subtle as it may be, um, I still feel like there's a difference. So, yeah, um, man, that'll suck if the show gets canceled and they never do Tiana. Oh, uh, we'll see here. I don't know. She's oh, no, a wait. little too modern. You know what I mean? Like it's not not that she's recent. It's the fact that she was because I yeah, like I said, I haven't seen Princess and the Frog, but. Uh, my friend Taylor keeps telling me, she's like, you need to watch that. What are you doing? But it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, it's set in, like, 1920s New Orleans, right? Like, it is yeah, New Orleans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that just, I mean, that seems like a, a shade too modern for one. Like, there's not that much um, distance. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get your point. Um, I would like to see it, though. Sorry, I'm skipping through my notes. Oh, the necklace that takes Ariel's voice and her legs, and she was like, that's another story. And I was like, what is it? <laughs> like, like, I'm right on. here. Feel free, feel free to share. Like, I am right here ready to listen. Um, totally fine. Mm. Oh, and then they went on the magic Hmm? Oh, I was just going to say, you bring up a point. You know how we have, like, all, you know, supplemental comics and, or excuse me, graphic novels and and novel novels uh, supplementing the show. We need one for, like, Ariel, I feel like. Like, Ariel and Mulan and, like, those are the characters we we need them for, not so much, like, 
Ruby and Virginia. Like, I would I actually, like, I would sell my soul for a Blue Fairy backstory supplemental novel, but I know it's never going to get written. That carpet gets really good gas mileage. <laughs> oh, Ariel wanted to go say hi to Eric, and then she did. And I was like, oh my god, it's Gil. Like, I know. Like, like, I had no idea he was coming back. And then he started talking yeah. about eating mermaids with capers, and I got really, I didn't realize we were getting court. I got really wigged out. I was like, oh my god, oh, oh my god, what the hell's the wrong- <laughs> matter with you? Yeah, when he said that, I was like, um, what? And then when we found out we were getting court, I was like, oh, um, also that whole switcheroo thing was very Hans. Who is this Hans? Who is this Hans? Mm. Also, but, but that was the Eric point where I kind of also peed in to how Jafar was like really kind of like touching on on Jasmine, like he's like caressing her head. He wasn't even petting her, but I was just like, oh, "Do you not, sir? Please, like." Ugh. Well, Jafar was always creepy, um, and then I felt so bad for Ariel because he poofed her back to the sea, and I was like, "Well, God, that sucks for her. Like she came all that way." And she just got poofed back to the ocean and has to start all over again. Like, oh, my God. Um, and I also wonder, With all those too, like, robes on, too. Huh? With all those robes on, too. That's what I thought. I was like, she saw her clothes on. Poofed her into the sea yeah. with all, like, 900 pounds of clothing on. Yeah. Um, I also wondered why all the caravans were so far away from the city. Well, I feel like there's some sort of historical whatever blah, like there's some, you know, whatever about that. I feel, I I don't know, I feel like I could make up some precedent or something, but I feel like there is one in regards to like, you know, coming into a city and you're, you're not like legit and you have like your Navy or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, all right. But like, you're, you're right. They were, a, they were a bit far out. Yeah, um, and then Jasmine agreed to marry him, but he was lying. He just needed the ring to break some kind of protective charm on the city, and then he did, and then he magicked it into oblivion, into the ring, at least. Um, and yeah, that was the end of the flashback. Um. Yeah, that's what happened overall. That was the whole episode. Um, yeah. Help me out, Ash. Just like, like dead said, silence. Well, like I said, it was it was a bit of a breather. Like we definitely we were taken out of Storybrooke for the most part, and then even when we were in Storybrooke, we were in a new place. Like it, it everything was new. We weren't like in our our usual haunts like we weren't in granny's or you know the mayor's office i mean we were we were very briefly in the sheriff's station it just it felt like okay we're going to take 
everything out. Like, we're going to hit the pause button on the story. We're just going to try to regroup is what it kind of felt like. And it, and it didn't feel unwelcomed. Like, I, I, I don't feel like we were so high on action that we needed a quote-unquote breather episode. But at the same time, it was a lot lighter, and the comedic aspects of obviously Drunk Snow and those shenanigans were something we hadn't seen in a few episodes, like so, like like real comedy as opposed to like you know snarky asides. Um, but also just like okay, we're gonna take you know Hook and put him in an adventure with Jasmine and Aladdin and Ariel, like mm hmm, but. It, Normally, I'd be very not annoyed because I feel like there's a very strong feeling. I wouldn't be as interested, but I actually was getting really into just how they were going to be doing things. The flashbacks, I wasn't as dialed in to. Like now that we've gone over everything, I can kind of think of like what parts I was most interested in. Like I think it, I don't think it was a misstep, but at the same time, I do think it was a misstep for the PR folks to release the drunk snow clip. Um, cause I definitely know that like, you know, cued a lot of interest, um, in, I know I said that word wrong. It, it got, it definitely got a lot of interest from fans like, Oh, I want to see that. But it didn't happen until well into half of the episode. And it was such a small part. It was, I found myself being like, okay, but yeah, so when are we going to see drunk snow? So I don't know. It was just that I felt like it was like, it was a good thing for them for PR cause it definitely got people's attention. But then like it, you know, for the right, the entirety of the episode, I was like, all right, so, but Drunk Snow, but, but where's, where's my Drunk Snow at? Um, I don't know, what, how do you feel about that, Zach? Well, no, I do agree with that. Um, I kind of thought that we were going to have more of, like what you said, more of Drunk Snow and Regina and Emma at the bar than what we got. I mean, we basically had, when Emma arrived, we had when Snow yelled at the Vikings and we had when Emma talked to the bartender, to Aesop, mm-hmm. to Gideon, to whoever. Um, I was going to say Gaysop, but that is that doesn't sound... Gaysop sounds like, like, a, like, an old, like an old elder queer who's like, let me tell you the, the fable of the drag queen and the bartender or whatever. <laughs> I would read Gaysop's fables. If I have a memoir, it's going to be called Gaysop's fables, and it'll just be stories of, yeah, so this is the thing that I learned a lesson from. You better, you better trademark that, like, immediately, because somebody else is going to Gaysop's Trademark patent pending, rights restricted. I will find you. I will always find you. Seriously. Um, that is so funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I like we had said earlier. I wish that it had been. Um, I mean, I'm always glad to see you know, like when we get a new story, like on the flashback side of things, um, especially when it's you know kind of doing us a little bit of fan service and you know giving us a story like the characters we haven't seen before. Like a lot of people like Aladdin. You know, the movie, a lot of people want to see Aladdin and Jasmine on the show. And, you know, Jafar, even though he was on Wonderland, we kind of wanted to see that, too. So, you know, I mean, I'm glad that that kind of thing happened. But then at the same time, it's like 
And I don't mean, this isn't like a criticism of this episode specifically or even the show specifically. This is just like a, an observation that I'm making from like a screenwriting point of view and like kind of like a TV producer, showrunner point of view as well. When does it cross the line into too much fan service? Like where is that line exactly? Um, well, because that's the same thing. Fan service makes the fans happy, but the, the thing I think the reason I didn't tune out on it because this episode was very fan servicey, but the reason I didn't tune out of it is because it wasn't patronizingly so. Like it wasn't like, okay, here you go, fans, we're gonna throw you a bone. It was like, no, drunk snow. Who the hell doesn't want to see that? Like it's kind of. Do you, am, am I? Am, am, do you get what I'm saying? Is that to your point? I'm I'm not sure if we're on the same page. Yeah. Well, no, like, I can't speak to, you know, specifically for this episode. I'm not even necessarily um, trying to, but I don't think it would have been fan service to do more of the kind of snow Emma scene because that's oh, kind of yeah. what the show is built on. So I don't think that that would necessarily mm-hmm. be, like, fan service. Um, and I don't feel like what was happening with the flashback or, um, you know, with the stuff going on in the Enchanted Forest and Agrabah and everything, I don't feel like that necessarily was fan service because they were, it's not like they were in for a one-off because they've been on the show before. At the same time, mm-hmm. they had a really limited appearance compared to everybody else. And since this kind of wrapped up their story, maybe... Um, it seems, you know, mm-hmm. like, well, are they going to be coming back or not? Um, if they don't come back, then it does feel a little bit kind of like a one-off because it's the only episode really that we're seeing of them on this half of the season. So kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't. I don't want them to go too Disney with anything. And Aladdin and Jasmine is very Disney, but at the same time, I feel like there are elements of like, you know, Arabian Nights that you could always include. Um, oh, like I love the fact. I thought that was very clever that when when Jasmine said she's like, oh, it's a, a story worthy of Shahrazad. Like you stinky bitches, because that's what the the secret you know the name that they put Shahrazad was what they had the casting call for Jasmine for. Oh yeah, that's right. I knew I had heard that name before, like in relation to the show specifically. I just couldn't remember it, so that's right. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember tweeting, yeah. I was like, "Oh my gosh, Shahrazad! That totally sounds like Karen Davy. You should totally like you know go for that." And then like <laughs> flash forward to a few months later, I was like. You knew the whole time. 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 Hello. Hello. Um, so. Oh, hello, dear. <laughs> you, 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 wait, what was it? You and I have a doubt fire, dear. I'm a hip old granny who can hip hop, bebop, dance till you drop. And yo, yo, make a wicked cup of cocoa. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I'm, like, contractually obliged to say the whole thing once I bring up Mrs. Doubtfire. Ask the folks in the car in Vancouver. It happened. Oh, God. Um. 
there wasn't really anything else. Um, we pretty much discussed the fact that next week is going to be like a Gideon story. Um, painful. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be painful, but I just feel well. Considering, oh, I mean, think about it though. Like I was like really like oh, I don't know, affected, but. Hearing Gideon tell the story of what the Blackbird did, just hearing the story, I was, I was like, ooh, no. So seeing, because I, 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 I don't know for a fact, but I have a very strong feeling we're going to see her ass on screen. Seeing her being horrible, ooh, you know? Well, this one's going to be interesting because um, it, the story is by Eddie and Adam, but the teleflight is by Paul Carp. So they came up with the story of what's going to happen. So that's interesting. Um, oh, and then also, too, one thing to mention. Oh, God. My breath just caught a little bit in my in my chest. Okay, so next week is Mother's Little Helper. And then the week after that on April 6th, and that's April 9th. And then on April 16th is Awake, which I assume is when they're going to break the sleeping curse. Um, That's also Easter, so plan accordingly, Wonsers. It's also what do you mean? It's also Easter. Oh, the sixteenth is Easter. I, I mean, I I do oh. family stuff on Easter. Oh yeah, set your DVRs. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then let's see here. So, yeah, that is on April 16th. And then on April 23rd is the episode where bluebirds fly. And I know for a fact that this episode is the one where we're getting an Oz flashback to um, when oh, Zelina was birthday. Your birthday is April oh. 23rd. My birthday is the 22nd. Okay. My so birthday is Earth Day. Well, Bex's birthday is the 24th, and she was sure to say that this episode was airing the day before her birthday. So, um, also, too, let me just actually let me check one thing. Nope, that's next week. Um, all right, and then also, too, the uh, Where Bluebirds Fly episode that airs on April 21st, so 23rd. So, the podcast that airs on April 25th will be our 100th podcast. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look forward to that. And then on the on April 30th is the Blackberry. <laughs> and then on AKA May I'm 7th, hyped. May 7th is the musical episode, The Song in Your Heart. Also hyped. And then May 14th is the final battle, two-hour season finale. Mother's Day, yeah. I don't know, dude. I mean, no one knows, and that's the thing. No one has a clear answer at this point, which is like, I just I would love a definite answer from ABC because I feel like at this point too many like 
rumors and like people ciphering things from the internet or flying around. I'd, I, I need a I need an official mandate. Yeah. Same. So there it is. We have five episodes and then the finale. Prepare accordingly. And really by that I just mean like gird your loins and prepare your hearts to be broken and you know, in the event that the show does not get renewed. Oh, you know what they say, all magic comes with a price. And all good things must okay. come to an end. No, but what's, I'm going to move on. What's that episode title? Um, all Good Things is the title of the series finale of Star Trek The Next Generation. I knew it was a title of something. Now, here's the thing, though, about, like, honestly, like, seriously, the the thought behind All Good Things coming to an end is, would one really want Once Upon a Time to be one of those shows that go, like, with the Grey's Anatomy on season, like, 900, and it's, like, none of the, like, original people are still on it, and you have no idea what the hell is happening, and it's so, so murky and muddled now. There are some original people on it, and it's on its 13th season. They lost me after the plane crash. I was like, really? 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 However... No, I do. I mean, and that's the thing is, though, I really do enjoy. Uh, I, I did enjoy Grey's Anatomy up to that point. I just it it hurt too much to lose the people we lost in the plane crash. So that's why I was like, okay, I gotta say goodbye. And then and I'm not knocking the show. I've not seen it, so I'm not. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, oh, well, then I. I Prepare, don't get, it is, it, it's kind of like a proto Game of Thrones thing, like, don't get too attached to the folks in Grey's Anatomy. There's a reason why they kind of joke that it's the, the hospital's called Seattle Mercy, is it Seattle Grace Mercy Death? <laughs> okay, well, stuff happens. Honestly, it's um, on the, I think it's still on the Netflix. I say go, go watch it, watch it up to a point. But everybody kind of the has to stop and point with it, and it's fine. The reason, the reason why I'm saying this is because I'm taking Shonda Rhimes' masterclass, and she talks about creating Grey's Anatomy in that show, so I actually understand it very well now, even though I've never seen it. I understand mm-hmm. it a lot better. Like, she talks about stuff in this class that is, like, her creative process for how she made the show. So it's not, I mean, and I'm talking real detailed stuff where she's given like 15 minute videos, every lesson, and there are 30 lessons. Mm-hmm. So, and, to, and it's not all about Grey's Anatomy. It's all, you know, it's about a bunch of stuff, but I understand this show really well. So when you're like, don't get too attached. I'm like, well, I know the research that she put into this show. So, I, I mean, I guess that kind of, this does kind of make sense. And there's a bunch of other requirements that you have to think of as well. There are things that I didn't even know about the business that I learned from this class. So, oh, sure. Um, I'm not saying she's a, I, I'm not 
knocking Dude, no, her showrunner, but I'm just saying that, just, like, I feel like Grey's Anatomy has is, is gone further than it should have. Well, no, let me let me share this this little bit with you, okay? Um, did you know that naming a character on television or film is not just as easy as naming the character? Like, you actually have to get it legally approved by the network legal department after they go through oh, yeah, all because of these, like legal checks and things. Yeah. Is, isn't, isn't it because, like, if you happen to name a character the same as a, a real-life person, they can sue for defamation of character or something because of, like, the fictional person? Or am I completely missing the point on that? Because I feel like I've read that somewhere, but I don't know if it's true. She doesn't explain why that happens. She just explains that it happened. So, ask at work tomorrow. I mean, hmm. Hmm, I will, because that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to know. Um, let's see. And now I'm thinking about everything everything that everybody is named on Once Upon a Time now. Huh. <laughs> that's what I did as well. So. <laughs> I'm like, David Nolan. Hmm. <laughs> Well, my first thought was Emma's name, so I was like, "Oh, Emma Swan, that makes sense. Like, that would be easy." Maybe that's so, maybe that's why Mr. Gold doesn't have a first name. It's just it should just be Robert. I kind of like that he didn't have like that. She was just like whatever with the curse. It was just like nah, Rumbles. Well, because Rumblestiltskin, you know, with the power over names and stuff, it makes sense that he never got a first name, you know. Well, whether he built the curse, like we were told at first, or if he took it from somebody else and then altered it, whatever, I wouldn't put it past him as the name master to be like, I'm going to build it into this curse that my name shall be Mr. Gold and that's all. Like, I, I either that or, like, the curse sensed it. And it was like, mm, magic decides that we're not going to mess with that. Well, yeah, actually, it would make more sense because it wouldn't be like they call it. Maybe they don't use that term Mr. or Mrs. Um, in the Enchanted Forest. So maybe it was a thing where he was like, and my name shall, shall be of gold or something like that. Like, you know, like, Mr. Gold. Like, written into it, like, and my name shall be of gold. And then, like, when the curse happened, like, it adapted the names to the environment because that's what it does. I can't believe I'm actually discussing the physics of the map, but I feel like that's what it is. I can see that. I definitely could see that. Um, let's see. I don't really have any other points. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this episode was really tight. Like, it wasn't rushed, but they didn't really – it clipped along at a fair pace, and I feel like there wasn't really a lot of extraneous stuff to, like, mull over, you know? hmm Yeah. I don't know. Like, this one, it wasn't like – I don't know. I feel like from here on out, like, we're getting to the point of the season – where everything from here to the end is like bang, bang, bang. And looking at the titles of these episodes, 
and you know what they're concerned with like mother's little helper is the gideon episode and then awake is when snow and charming get out of the sleeping curse so we've been told that that's not going to be easy so we have to look, pay attention to that and then after that is where bluebirds fly and that's apparently zelina's episode and i would like to know what that's about too because um yeah there was some there was some foreshadowing with Zelina in in the last episode. Like they showed there her was. an awful lot. Well, yeah, um, there was. I think this episode definitely then was the breather, the calm before the storm. Yeah, um, yeah, it was because after when Bluebirds fly into the Black Fairy, which will no doubt be very heavy. And then after that is the musical episode, The Song in Your Heart. So we're getting that one in. <laughs> and still no details, no details about what that's about, you know, going on there either. When I talked to Bex over the weekend, those of you who are still listening to the podcast because you haven't bowed out, you know, already because we you thought we were done. Um, one thing that she mentioned in her interview with me was that she does have a solo, which we knew. Um, and she's looking forward to everyone seeing her wicked solo. She also mentioned that she didn't have to dance as much as Lana did, which means that she might dance a little bit. Just probably dance a little bit. I was so, I mean, and obviously, and then there's obviously recording of this because of the podcast. I was so ambivalent about having, actually getting the musical episode, but the more and more I hear about it, I'm like, bring it to me. Bring it to me on a platter. I'm ready now. Yeah, I'm very interested. And then the final battle. We don't know who's directing that, do we? We don't know who's directing any of them beyond um, next week's. Hmm. Interesting. According to Wikipedia. According to Wikipedia, next. Although, hey, let me check IMDb. Okay, because so, I the only reason I bring that up is because I the. Uh, picture that uh, Adam tweeted out, I noticed that the way it was cropped or framed or whatever was very particular about being right under the writer's credit. Like, it was it was very like, oh. I was like, okay, according, that's interesting. According to IMDB, Steve Perlman is directing the final battle part one. And Ralph Hemmicker is directing part two. I feel like he directed some of the episodes I enjoy. I'm trying to remember. I'm. I'm. So, you know the director names. I'm so bad with them. Didn't need. <laughs> so let me just let you all know who Ralph Hemmicker is. He directed the following episodes: seven fifteen a.m. Hat trick. Ooh. Broken. Queen of Hearts, Ooh. The Miller's Daughter, Ooh. Selfless Breakthrough, Second <gasps> Star to the Right, the, tr- the Heart of the Truest Believer, Going Home, <gasps> The Tower, A Curious Thing, There's No Place Like Home, A Tale of Two Sisters, The Apprentice, Smash the Mirror, Part 2, Heroes and Villains, Enter the Dragon, Lily, Operation Mongoose, Part 2, Siege Perilous, The Bear and the Bow, Souls of the Departed, Heartless, and now The Final Battle, Part 2. 
So, AK, every episode I've loved. Oh, crap, son. And then Steve Perlman, who was a producer on the show, in addition to being a director. And he also was a director of, or excuse me, a producer of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Um, once the final battle part one is not the only episode that he has directed. He also directed Poor Unfortunate Soul, Our Decay, The Other Shoe, and this one, A Wondrous Place. Hmm. Very interesting. Let's keep going with this. Um, they've got Ron Underwood coming in for the song in your heart. Ron Underwood has directed Red Okay, so Ron Underwood is directing the musical episode. Ron Underwood directed Red Handed, Into the Deep, <laughs> Lost Lost, The New Neverland, Snow Drifts, White Out, Best Laid Plans, Mother, The Dark Swan, Firebird, A Bitter Draft, Wish You Were Here, and Ill Boating Patterns. such good directors. Like, I get excited hearing these titles because I'm like, these are good ones. Ulrich Riley is directing The Blackberries. He had he directed Breaking Glass, The Broken Kingdom, Devil's Do, Strange Case, and now The Black Fairy. Those are all very gothic episodes, too. Mm. That's very interesting. A man named Michael Schultz is directing... Where Bluebirds Fly, and this is the only episode of um, Once Upon a Time that he has directed. However, he directed eight episodes of Arrow, five episodes of Blackish, one episode of Dead of Summer, four episodes of The Mysteries of Laura. He worked on Brothers and Sisters, Chuck. So he's been directing plenty. He's a veteran. Um, for Awake, we've got Sharat Raju, or Raju. I'm sorry if I said it wrong. I'm sure I did. Um, this is the only episode of Once Upon a Time that he has directed. However, he has directed two episodes of Scandal, an episode of How to Get Away with Murder, Grimm, Law and Order Special Victims Unit, Criminal Minds, NCIS, New Orleans. Like, these are all very investigative shows, and that's for Awake. There's a lot of procedurals. I feel like that's a lot of some sort of mystery element. It sounds like it because he's worked on nothing but like law procedurals. From what I can see, like a lot of that, um, extensively. Um, hmm. and then the man who is directing Mother's Little Helper next week, Billy Gearhart, also directed. New York City Serenade, The Snow Queen, Hearts of Gold, Labor of Love, Tougher Than the Rest, and now Mother's Little Helper. He also has directed 11 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and 6 episodes of The Walking Dead and 10 episodes of Sons of Anarchy. Those are really like Sons of Anarchy and Walking Dead. Oh, God, like, it's going to be heavy heavy next week. Yeah. It is going to be some heavy stuff. It's going to be great. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes left of the podcast. Um, let's see. 
Um, as far as oh, that's a that's a good topic coming up in the chat room. Um, if the show continues, will the podcast? Don't know yet. We'll get back to you once we have an actual like decision from ABC on whether or not the show is coming back. Um, I'm not making any plans regarding any commitments for anything related to Once Upon a Time until we get confirmation because there's really no point in it. So, um, yeah, I feel like that's pretty much it, right? For anything else? I, I, I think we've hit it all. All right. Then that's going to be it, guys. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Um, we will see you next week on Tuesday at 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern.